Pastor Xavier Reese and the long arm of God's love. God gets angry? Absolutely. He's holy. If you think being jealous as a husband or wife is bad, then you don't understand love. When you love, you get jealous if somebody tries to put the make on your partner. But jealousy is a mark of love. God loves you so much, He doesn't want to share you with anybody, especially anybody that takes you away from Him or anything. He gets angry. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When is the last time you received a Valentine's Day card that stated, I love you so much, I'm jealous? A rare thing, probably, because we don't understand how there is a righteous jealousy that accompanies a pure love. Today, Pastor Xavier explores this topic in today's study from the book of Ezekiel, God is a Jealous God. Let's listen. Ezekiel was overwhelmed by both the vision of the glory of God and his commission to a rebellious people that would not hear him in chapter 1 and 2. So dumbfounded was he that he remained silent for seven days. And then afterwards, the spirit of Yahweh transported him to Tel Aviv there, where he was there the seven days. And God's spirit went in him and made him stand on his feet. And he made them the watchmen of Israel to warn the righteous, not to deviate, the unrighteous to repent. The prophet was told to go into the valley, and there he saw once again the glory of God, and again he fell on his face, as his usual manner is, and the Spirit of God entered him and set him on his feet and told him to go shut himself up in his house to begin his ministry. As you know, there are only three groups of visions that are given to us. Chapter 1 through 3, we have the vision of the judgment of God as he sees the glory of God dealing with their present judgment. That's what the prophet Ezekiel is called and commissioned. The second grouping we find here in chapter 8 down to chapter 11, and it is um, the vision of their sin against God resulting in the departure of God's glory dealing with the, the reasons for their present judgment. And the last group of visions is in chapter 40 to 48. And there, the vision of their sins removed by God resulting in restoration of God's glory to the kingdom in the new temple, dealing with their future reconciliation from their sins. So there's only three groupings of visions, and you have sermons in between. Now, in chapter 8 here, it begins the second set of visions dealing with their sin against God, resulting in the departure of the glory of God. In chapter 8, you have the particular abominations of their judgments, which we're going to look at. In chapter 9, you have the slain of the wicked. In chapter 10, you have the glory of God departing from the temple. And in chapter 11, you have the judgment of the elders and the glory of God leaving the city. Why did God show Ezekiel all this? Because chapter 11, 25 says he would come back and reveal everything to the captives to let them know the true evil that was going on. Let me read uh, chapter 8. And it came to pass in the sixth year of the sixth month on the fifth day of the month that I, as I sat in the house with the elders of Judah sitting before me that the hand of the Lord God fell 
upon me there. Then I looked, and there was a likeness like the appearance of fire from the appearance of his waist downward, fire, and from his waist upward, like the appearance of the brightness, like the color of amber. He stretched out the form of a hand, and he took me by the locks of my hair, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, and brought me into the visions of God to Jerusalem, and to the door of the north gate of the inner court, where the seed of the image of jealousy was, which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there, like the vision that I saw in the plain. And then he said to me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now towards the north. So I lifted up my eyes towards the north, and there, north of the altar gate, was the image of jealousy in the entrance. Furthermore, he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary? Now turn again you will see greater abominations. So he brought me into the door of the corridor, and when I looked, there was a hole in the wall. And he said to me, Son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. And he said to me, Go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing there. And so I went in and saw in there every sort of creeping thing, abominable beast, and all of idols of the house of Israel portrayed all around on the walls. And there stood before them seventy men of the elders of the house of Israel, and in their midst stood Jazaniah the son of Shaphan. Each man had a censer in his hand, and in thick cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols. For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. And he said to me, Turn again, and you will see greater abominations that they are doing. And so he brought me into the door of the north gate of the Lord's house, and to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Turn again, and you will see greater abominations than these. And so he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and there at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men, and their backs towards the temple of the Lord, and their faces towards the east, and they were worshiping the sun towards the east. And he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it a trivial thing to the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence, and they have returned to provoke me to anger. Indeed, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore, I also will act in fury. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. Awesome words. The eighth chapter here focuses on the abominable idolatries of the elders in the temple of Jerusalem. And it's revealed by three things. First, the transition of Ezekiel to the temple, verse 1 through 4. Second, we have the observation of idolatry within the temple, verse 5 through 12. And then thirdly, the devotion to idolatry in the temple, verse 13 through 18. Let's begin here with the translation of Ezekiel to the temple. Notice in verse 2, the vision is described by the prophet. Then I looked and there was a likeness, a likeness of the appearance of fire. Now, the word fire there in Hebrew is esh, E-S-H. And the word for man is ish. I-S-H. They're so closely related that by the context, the Septuagint translated man rather than fire. And it's probably correct because of what follows. Because he's seen the throne of God again. And we've seen it in chapter 1 where he saw the appearance of man. So most likely this is the correct word. One letter difference. Now, the prophet was gripped with the majestic glory once again. Notice in verse 2. 
describing the appearance of his waist downward, fire, and from his waist upward, like the appearance of brightness, like the color of amber. The same thing as in chapter 1, verse 26, 27. This is the throne of God once again. And every time this prophet gets directed, he gets a glimpse of the glory to remember who it is that's given him the message and who it is he's representing and who it is he's accountable to. If you take those three things and remind them in your life and mine, it'll make us live a little different. Very, very important. Notice verse 3 and 4. The experience was supernatural for the prophet. I'm amazed at the commentators. They, they try to rationalize, well, he was schizophrenic, he was this and that, all kinds of different stuff. It was supernatural. Leave it alone. This is a vision of God. Verse 3, Yahweh carried him off. Once again, he saw Yahweh stretching out his hand in the form of a hand. He took him by the hair, lock of his hairs. The first time he, his hand gave him a scroll in chapter 2, verse 9. He grabs him by the hair. His hair has grown back. He shaved it with the beard. Now it's grown back. The Spirit lifted him up between heaven and earth. While he's sitting there, he's taken in a vision. He's transported to Jerusalem. In visions of God, he says in verse 3. He was awake. So as the elders are there, he's sitting. God takes him in a vision over to Jerusalem. John's the same thing. Chapter 4, chapter 5, Revelation. Isaiah saw the throne of God. Notice Ezekiel again is very precise saying it was to the door of the north gate of the inner court. He's a priest. He's very meticulous. Now, he never got to officiate his priesthood. God is so good. He takes him to the temple. He's going to give him a tour. Is God good? (laughs) This was the temple court proper. Now, Ezekiel was taken where the seed of the image of jealousy was, which provoked Yahweh to jealousy, to anger. God gets angry? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's holy. If you think being jealous as a husband or wife is bad, then you don't understand love. When you love, you get jealous if somebody tries to put the make on your partner. Now, you can get weird and be so jealous you become weird and distorted. But jealousy is a mark of love. God loves you so much, he doesn't want to share you with anybody, especially anybody that takes you away from him or anything. He gets angry. The image could have been Asherah, the mother goddess of the Canaanites, which was set up by Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, and destroyed by Josiah in his reform in 2 Kings 21 and 23. You can get that, 22, 22, 23. So apparently, as we saw, it was just a superficial reform by the people. Josiah was right on, but the people were, it's a superficial reform. They reinstituted again. The Ten Commandments prohibited any image right away. God is spirit. Don't put eyes on them, hands. Some believe it could refer here to a location like a niche in the temple. It could be inside the wall that's found in Asia Minor, Mesopotamia, many other areas. Look at verse 4. Yahweh revealed the glory of himself then in the temple to the prophet. The prophet identifies it in sharp contrast. And behold, the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah glory of Israel was there. The image of idol changing the glory of God and denigrated it. Here you have a sharp contrast. The temple is God's. His glory should be there. It's still there in spite of the... God's spirit is all over. In spite of the debauchery that goes on in people's lives and nations, he's there. And he grieves. But he's about to remove himself. The prophet tells us the glory he saw was the same as the vision that he saw in the plain or the valley back in chapter 3, verse 23, by the river Chebar in chapter 1. 
God will speak to us in the most natural situations of life, even as Ezekiel here. If we have an ear to hear. Jesus often says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And then John to the churches. But we become so mechanical that we can become in danger of not hearing God. When you're speaking to someone, are you open to God speak to you? People are asking you questions about your faith or maybe friends are telling you about what things or difficulties they're going through. Are you open for God to speak to you? Often you come and ask me questions. As you begin to ask me questions, I don't know what I'm going to say. And God will give me a word. God will give me the wisdom for it and put it together. Are you open to be directed by God? Or do you have it all wired? When you're sitting alone at work, does he speak to you? When you're riding in your car, when you're at home? Is God able to interrupt your busy schedule? Jeremiah 33.3, I remember that sermon we did in Jeremiah. Listen, call to me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. <laughs> do you experience personal intimacy with God? Or is it just intellectual academics, your Christianity? I'm not talking about living by feelings or emotions. I'm not talking about being mystical. I'm talking about a living relationship where he has the ability to convict you, to reprove you, to rebuke you, to exhort you, to check you, to say no, and you hear it. Time when you are very conscious of his strength, his direction, his approvals, his denials. Paul the Apostle put it this way in Philippians 3, 10 through 14, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed into his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold for that which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me. Brethren, I do not count myself to, to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and pressing forward to those things that are ahead, I press towards the goal, the price of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm always going forward. I've never arrived, but I'm moving forward. And I do that by totally depending on him, hearing his voice, obeying his voice, letting his word guide me. Do you see all the images of our society that provoke God's jealousy? Or have you become accustomed to them? Now, my flesh is never surprised at the perversity of man. And my flesh is attracted to sinfulness of man. But my spirit is grieved. Do you understand? And so I have to be careful because I'm a man like anybody else and I have sin nature. So I have to make sure I don't get too close to the fire lest I get burned. You come out of drugs, don't go around the candy man. The old neighborhood. You come out of alcohol, don't stop for a beer on the way home. Whatever it is that God pulled you out of, use wisdom. Isaiah, who lived in times like ours, put it this way, Isaiah 5, 18 through 20. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as if with a cart, rope. Wow, what a picture. Look at all the reality shows. They're, they're brash. They, they have one purpose in mind, to bring the worst out in the person. And we drag sin, we portray like with carts of rope, and we just fill it up and pull it, and we just go for it, the whole nation. The more corrupt, the more perverse, the more brash you are, the more you're light. He continues and say, and sin as it were a cart robe that say, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it. Oh, what's God going to do about it? Let, let's see. Okay, let him, let him strike me dead. 
Huh? Ooh. Let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come. Where is he? That we may know it. Oh, be patient. He'll get to you. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Whenever the prophet says woe, he's not riding a horse. It's judgment. Judgment. The translation of Ezekiel to the temple was to reveal their evil. To see it with his own eyes. So he could proclaim with confidence and assurance dependence on God. Now notice, secondly, we have the observation of the idolatry within the temple, verse 5 through 12. 5 and 6, the prophet is directed by Yahweh to the image of jealousy. Uh, Yahweh says, Son of man, lift up your eyes now towards the north. The north gate was the one most frequently used for the palace's um, buildings were to the south and the east. Um, The prophet lifted up his eyes to the north and saw north of the altar gate the image of jealousy in the entrance. Now, Deuteronomy warned them about that. Deuteronomy 32, 21 says, They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. But I will provoke them to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. Back in 32 of Deuteronomy, he prophesied about this day, that he would put them in captivity. Interesting. Because of idolatry. The intensity And progressive evil is evident as the prophet is taken step by step closer and closer to the holy place as you read this chapter. Notice verse 6. Yahweh then spoke to Ezekiel regarding the image of jealousy. Um, Yahweh asked a question to the prophet. And the prophet was astonished. Furthermore, he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here? So God, have you seen it? Just outraged. And Yahweh declares this was the reason why he was removing himself from his sanctuary. He tells the prophet to turn again and he would see greater abominations. This is nothing. Let me show you something else. The word abomination, by the way, means disgusting thing, that which is detestable to God. You get a chance, go on your computer, hit abomination or abominable, and see how many things he declares to be abomination. Let me give you a scripture, first of all, Deuteronomy 27, 15. It says, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination of the Lord Yahweh, the work of his hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Isaiah, Jeremiah, we saw the idolatry. They say, you know, this guy goes out, cuts a tree down, he cooks his food with it, then he builds a house, and he makes a chair, and then he gets another piece, makes a god, and he falls down and worships it. What an idiot. <laughs> Paraphrase. Being a transvestite is an abomination to God, Deuteronomy twenty-two fifteen. Being a male prostitute, a female prostitute, is an abomination, Deuteronomy twenty-three eighteen. There's all kinds of things. Those are just a few, okay? Notice verse 7 through 10. The prophet saw the creation being exalted above the creator. Yahweh was guiding Ezekiel to the specific area. Yahweh took Ezekiel to the door of the court, this being the outside entrance of the gateway into the inner court. Ezekiel perceived there was a hole in the wall, like a peephole. These guys are in secret. Yahweh then said, Son of man, dig into the wall. 
And when Ezekiel dug into the wall, there was a door, almost like if it's secret, unless you knew, if you didn't know it was there, but it was there for those who knew. You understand? Verse 9, Yahweh then instructed him to enter the door. And he said to me, go in. The purpose was to see their evil and see the wicked abomination which they are doing there. And so the prophet in verse 10 saw the multiplicity of idolatry being bowed to in place of Yahweh. Ezekiel enters and he observes every sort of creeping thing, abominable beast. He also observes all the idols of the house of Israel carved all around the wall. That's what the word means. The worship of many of the gods accompanied sexual rites and fertility rites. That's why they were so attractive. The many carvings on the wall without any doubt were pornographic. Verse 11 and 12, the prophet saw the apostate state of the elders. These are the elders. Verse 11, Ezekiel saw a great company of the elders, and there stood before them 70 men of the house of Israel, the number perhaps after the order of Moses. The Sanhedrin is not implied here. It hadn't been created yet. And in their midst stood Jezaniah, the son of Shaphan. Whoa! Ezekiel's looking around and goes, hey, I know that guy. Whoa, busted. He's one of the elders. Jezaniah was the son of Shaphan, the scribe who assisted Josiah in the reform in 2 Kings 22. Jeremiah 26, 4 mentions him, 29 in chapter 36. His son now had corrupted the family heritage with idols. Remember Jeremiah preaching in the temple, the temple of the Lord, you guys saying the temple of the Lord are these? We're safe? No, no, no. Are you coming to church thinking you're safe while living a lifestyle different than God? You're not safe. You're in greater danger. Because you're hearing and you're not doing. You think you're hiding, but you're busted. You have greater judgment because you get the greater light. What's the solution? Turn. Repent before it's too late. Each man had a censer in his hand. And a thick cloud of incense went up. The censer was used in the Holy of Holy association with Yom Kippur. Here they are syncretizing some of the priestly functions of the temple and joining them to their idols. And many of their worship, they said, oh, we love Yahweh, we do it. No, and they took all their pagan practices and put them under the worship of Yahweh. No. Be careful. An umbrella. And you're living and practicing and believing things that are contrary to the word of God. And you call yourself a Christian. Verse 12, Yahweh revealed to Ezekiel the heart of these men, the elders. Yahweh revealed their secret sin. Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? There's the emphasis, the dark. This is the second abomination. There's four. Yahweh points out the individual bondage because that's what they are. They're not free. They're slaves. Every man in the room of his idols. The reference to room could be different compartments in the temple, or it could refer to the individual imagination, the bondage they're in, their own compartment. Yahweh reveals their inner thoughts, for they say the Lord Yahweh does not see us. The Lord Yahweh has forsaken the land. In other words, God is hiding from us. He abandoned us. So they're accusing God for their sin. Remember Jeremiah? God says, tell them not to say that phrase anymore. Our fathers ate sour grapes and our teeth are on edge. That's the philosophy of dysfunctionalism. It's not my fault. It's my mom and dad. Shut up. It's your fault. 
You are responsible for your life. Mm, always blaming God. Now God's at fault for what they're doing. Hosea the prophet 4.9 says, And it shall be like people, like priests, so I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. Mm. It always begins with leadership. A nation, a business, a church, or a home. It starts at the head, and it works its way down. God help our nation. God help our homes. God help the church today. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of faithful leaders. There's much more to this lesson coming up next time. Now, if you won't be able to join Pastor Xavier, you can always pick up a copy of this message. And the title to ask for is God is a Jealous God. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to a friend or loved one. So once again, the title to ask for is God is a Jealous God. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. When is jealousy a good thing? That's coming up when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com